G'day there, Signets and Swanlings. 2012 Premiership player Nick Smith here. It's my pleasure, as always, to introduce a bevy of bloods, a fan podcast of the Sydney Swans Football Club, brought to you by Noddy and Steve-O, a pair of red and white tragics. So pop on the kettle and settle in as the boys have an in-depth chat about the Swans' last game, the Swans' next game, and a little bit about footy too. This is Nick Smith signing off until next week's episode. But in the meantime, remember... Be good to your bloods, and they'll be good to you. Welcome back to A Bevy of Bloods. My name's Noddy, and I'm joined once again by a regular special guest, our footy correspondent based in Finland, Steve-O. Welcome back to A-Bob, mate. How are you going? Good, mate. Thanks for having me. It's been um, been a good couple of days of footy. We had the first Finnish National League tournament for the year yesterday, and, and yeah, now ready to talk some swans. Good stuff, mate. In this episode number 42... We're going to be chatting about the current status of the Swans list. Of course, a mid-season review, uh, a few hot topics running around in the AFL, and we'll touch on the round 14 game against Port next week. So fluff up your tail feathers and settle in for a potentially biased yarn about all things to do with our beloved Bloods. So in terms of our year so far, season 2022, the Swannies are doing okay, not too bad. As at the buy round, round 13, the Swans have recorded eight wins and four losses. We're coming seventh on 118, uh, 118.8%, trailing the Cats and Saints on percentage only. In the first six games of the year, we recorded five wins and one loss. Those wins were against one top eight team in Geelong, one middle six team uh, in Hawthorne, although they were bottom four at the time, and three against bottom eight teams, JWS, North and West Coast. Our one loss came against the one uh, a one middle six team, which is Western Western Bulldogs, of course, last year's premiers. In the next six games until the bye, we recorded three wins and three losses. Three wins came against one bottom eight team, Essendon, and two against top eight teams, Richmond and Melbourne, in the past two weeks, which were crackers. Our losses came against two top eight teams, Brisbane and Carlton, which were quite disappointing, and one uh, in the middle six. Uh, against the Suns, uh, which I think was probably our worst, uh, the worst game of the year so far. Other than that, we've got the third best offense, averaging 13.7 goals a game and 11 uh, behinds a game, uh, behind only Brisbane and Richmond. We've got the sixth best defense, averaging uh, 11.3 goals a game and 10.8 behinds a game conceded, behind only Melbourne, Brisbane, St Kilda, Geelong and Western Bulldogs. Steve-O, I'm going to throw over to you. We're going to have a bit of a general chat about how we think we've gone so far. How do you think we've gone so far in general? What are your thoughts of the, of the year so far? I'm happy. I mean, if you'd told me at the start of round one this year that we'd be eight and four going into the last 10 games of the year, I'd absolutely happily take that. I mean, there's been a couple of losses that were disappointing. The, um, the Suns one in particular, but mm. now that we've seen that they're really developing well as a team that actually doesn't look like as bad a loss as it maybe felt like when we had it, because the Suns have had some good wins against some some strong teams. So eight and four is is solid. Like it's it's a really good start to the year for me. Yeah, mate, I totally agree. What do you think's gone well for us? Uh I think the there's been a tier of players that have come from being like just sort of fringe kids that are starting to blood that have actually started to step up and play really important roles. I think for me, that's the most, um, the most pleasing thing, I guess, as a Swans fan looking on is that these guys, and we'll talk a bit more about who's really improved um, in a minute, but 
but just seeing this new generation of Swans players coming through and taking responsibility and being key players in the team. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Uh, for me, I think it's just, um, you know, what's gone well, obviously, uh, much as has been spoken about our quarter-by-quarter performance. Um, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back it up here. Like, obviously, our, you know, our, I'm going to put it into halves. Our, our first halves are not great and our second halves are pretty good. And they're really the things that are, are bringing us home. You know, we've, we've only won 42% of first halves that we've played. Conversely, we've, we've won 79% of second halves. And, and that, that's the difference for me between what's going good and what's going bad. Obviously, there's a lot that goes into that because, you know, you've got to, look, you've got to break down the play and, and, and the personnel and, and how everything's running on the night and, of course, the opposition. But, you know, ultimately, when you look at the, you know, the, the pure numbers, our first halves are slow and our second halves bring us home. You know, in particular, first quarters, everyone's talking about the second quarters. We've actually got a better winning percentage for our second quarter. You know, first quarter, we're 33% win. Uh, second quarter, 50% win. Third quarter, 75% win. And fourth quarter, 83% win rate. So, um, yeah, look, it's obviously a slow first half for some reason, um, but we're, we're, we have the effort and the resilience to bring it home in most games, other than those four losses, obviously, in the second half. Um, obviously, that Essendon game was a bit of an outlier. We just um, That was our first four-quarter win of the year. We probably should have beaten them by 100 points. But, yeah, no, I think that, um, you know, as our younger players become more of those household names and step up, which is look, looking like what they'll probably do, then hoping we'll get a bit more of a consistent effort throughout, you know, the four quarters um, which is a bit of a footy cliche, but it's it's really I think what's um, yet to play out and playing out every now and then. But um, in terms of what hasn't gone well, I mean I've sort of just said there um, my thoughts. Do you have anything to add there, mate? No, just, just got to stop giving teams starts. I mean, we've, yeah, yeah, we've we've gotten away with it a few times. I mean, against Melbourne we got away with it. Against um, against Richmond the week Richmond. before we got away with it. Against yeah. Hawthorne we got away with it. And we gave Carlton a start. We gave Brisbane a start. Um, and that's that's two of our four losses, really. The Suns, we were never really looking like we were going to win. I don't know. I just had that feeling mm. in that game that they just probably had us that day. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, if you're going to give a five-goal break to a good team, and like any any AFL team, you're not going to run them down every week. So it'd be nice to not give away these, um, these you know, four or five-goal starts in the first half. Well, I mean, that, I think that was probably our worst quarter um, was that uh, second quarter against the Blues. What was it? Nine goals. And we went down at halftime. I think we were 40-odd points down or whatever it was. So mm. I know the, the second quarter against the Lions wasn't great either. We considered 33 or so. But um, I, nothing else comes to mind there in terms of worst, uh, you know, worst quarter, individual quarters. But, yeah, look, you're bang on, mate. Like, and and I think that's probably at the top of the to to do list for the brains trust. I think it uh, genuinely perplexes horse most weeks. Like, what what do we need to change in order to start better? Yeah. Um, but it's you know, mental. like, like it's it's all yeah, mental stuff. Yeah. It's it's um most yeah. of footy. I mean, they're all elite athletes. They're all highly trained. They're all highly skilled. It's something in the head, which um which is the difference between the teams that win and don't. Definitely, mate. Um. How do you reckon our new additions to the list have gone? So de- debutants and, and uh, newly traded in players. 
Well, I guess there's, there's only been three that have played their first games for the Swans, isn't there? We've, we've debuted Sheldrick and Roberts. They've played one game each. And then Laddams has come across from Port and he's played a bit. Mm. And, mm. and they're the only three. So there's been a lot of consistency in in the 22, really, this year, if there's only been mm. three people coming in for, um, for a first Swans game. Um, mm. I guess, I mean, maybe we can talk about the two young guys first, Sheldrick and, and Roberts. We only saw them very briefly. Um, mm. Sheldrick showed some really nice signs. Um, Roberts, mm. he, he didn't have much impact in the Richmond game, but he got a taste of it. And I think that mm. he'll be better for, for learning just, just how fast and how intense AFL football is and mm. um, go back to the reserves and, and keep doing well and then push for a spot again at some point. Sheldrick's been injured mm. for quite a lot of the year. So we mm. haven't had much to look at with him either in the seniors or in the reserves, really. Mm. Yeah, no, I think you're right there. And yeah, I think it was the the opening, it was the round one, wasn't it, against GWS out at um, Homebush there. And he was at that small forward role and he looked he looked really lively, Sheldrick. Mm, and yeah. yeah, it is a shame. I, I'm not quite sure what happened. It was something to do in his knee and there was some procedure there. And yeah, I think he's um, obviously still recovering, but yeah, hopefully he's on the mend because um, yeah, I think both those guys are, are very exciting and and they're certainly going to put a lot of pressure on the on the current team um, you know, for the rest of the year and, and probably next year more so. Um, and that's not even including, you know, the ongoing chat of Dylan Stevens and and uh, not that he's a midfielder, Gould, but we'll touch on him in a moment. So the big lad, mate, what, do you, uh, what have you made of his game so far? I've liked him much better when he's been the sole ruck and Hickey's been out, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I say the same for Hickey, actually, for both of them this year. I've, I think that I've, I don't know, I, the, the two rucks, it's a hard one because they're both very good players and they're both... Uh, absolutely worthy of playing every week in the seniors. Whether they work well together, I'm not sure. Um, we've only seen a couple of games of it. Um, but Laddams, when Hickey's out, looks like an AFL player. You know, I mean, he got he got run around by Max Gorn, but he's not the first AFL ruckman to get run around by Max Gorn. So it's hardly you know hang your head in shame material. Um, hmm. Yeah, I, I like him as a soul ruck. I think they both are good soul rucks. It's it's actually a tough one. But I think either way, even if Laddams doesn't play much for the rest of the year or they tandem with Hickey, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. What we do have there very clearly is a guy who's going to be a very good ruckman for the next 10 or so years. And it's, a, it's like a, like a post-Hickey ruck looks, looks pretty solid with him. I think I'm just um, I'm trying to recall the games that they actually went dual rucks. I think it was Bombers and Laddams. Yeah, so it was Bombers and Carlton before Hickey's toe uh, went... Uh, you got a funny toe. Actually, did he play the? Yeah, he was listed to play the Carlton game, so he must have. Uh, uh, that's right, he did. Uh, it, both of the Ruckmans got really shown up by Tom Tom De Kerning in that one. So we had we one win, one big win against Essendon, who are a bit of a rabble, and then we had that rather disappointing uh, loss against the Blues, which, other than the second quarter, we we really could have won. And I agree. Like, uh, it's a bit hard to say. You know, are we more successful with two genuine Rucks in the team because we're fifty fifty in that regard? But I'm the same as you. It's a maybe it's a pride thing, you know. Like maybe if you if the ruckman knows that they're the key ruck, and then they're being supported by a you know a, a forward or a back who's coming in, then they maybe they play up or something. I don't know. Maybe as you say, a lot of it's mental. But I tend to agree with you there. And um, I think early on in the season, Lad had looked a bit sluggish. I think he's worked his way into it, and he's certainly had some um, some real high points. Um, but I, I'm hoping that you know just as he continues to gel with the rest of the midfield continues to get all those lessons from Coxie that he'll, you know, he'll really, um, you know, you know, obviously do well the rest of this year, but, you know, hit, hit the ground running next year. And 
and Hick obviously is um, has been a revelation. And I mean, a little less so this year, uh, maybe because we're we're used to his level of um, clearance dominance when he when he's actually playing. But yeah, um, yeah. Look, you know, do I miss Dawson every other day? Kinda. Um, am I happy with how the trade went down? Never. Um, Are we still talking about uh, the rucks? What's, what's going on here? How do we get? No, no, no. I'm, get, I'm getting to the Port Adelaide <laughs> trade, dear mate. Like, right. Long okay. Bow, a yeah. Long bow I'm drawing here, but anyway. All right, we'll move on there. Anyway, lads, I'm I'm happy with him. All right, big improvers, mate. Um, who are they for you? I've I've got a pretty long list actually. We've had some great ones. I mean, the number one is Paddy McCartan. This guy, for all for all hope, was lost to AFL football, and now he's. I mean, there are people in the even in the Victorian VFL football media that are whispering him as a smoky for all Australian backline. So, if this isn't the recruit of the God, the last ten plus years for the Swans, like notwithstanding Franklin and these sort of big stars, but I mean, they've plucked a guy who um, he was a number one draft pick in the same year as Isaac Heaney was drafted and he was gone and we got him for free, like absolutely for free. We were talking about this, Steve, as it was happening. And every week we're like, it's a no-brainer because the upside is so huge. And I was having various heated discussions with many Swans fans saying, (laughs) you know, is he a key defender? Will he even make the team? And come round one and look at what he's done. You know, he's him and his brother just works. And and Chris and I talk about it regularly, um, you know, we have on the podcast this year but the synergy that that, that those brothers have is just incredible and um yeah he's i think i think they're saying like uh you know patty's story and sam doherty's recovery from testicular cancer are probably those two you know um feel good inspirational stories yeah. of the year and um I, I can't disagree with that but um no. yeah no it's what we're very very lucky and all of a sudden you know um you know pending health we've got a pretty good developing back six or seven um, you know, and we've got a bit of bit of depth there. Obviously, Melikin hasn't really had a game this year, and he's he he was obviously been one of the the main players in the past couple of years in, in terms of key defence. But you know, obviously, when the McCartans are going as well as they are, and and Blakey obviously has got a new you know lease of life and and develop continues to develop. He's taking more kick ins. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's exciting signs signs for sure. Um, who else, mate? Uh, I'll stick with the tall ones, actually. We'll go to another very high forward draft pick, um, Logan McDonald. The the mm. last, probably the last month even, not even the whole season, really this last three or four weeks, um, he's really started to show why he's an incredibly exciting player. And and we all always know that, that tall forwards and tall defenders, they take more time to develop. This is his second season in AFL list. And you look at the ones who are taken above him, is Ugal Hagen from the Bulldogs went pick number one. And... Um, Tilthorpe from Adelaide was pick number yep. two or three, I think. I pick number two, I think. And then yep. Phillips went to North Melbourne, Phillips, the midfielder. Yeah. And then we took McDonald at three. So both of those other two who were taken ahead of him, both tall forwards, uh, are still sort of, you know, starting to establish themselves and they're developing and they show some signs. But of the three of them at mm. the moment, McDonald's has got the best um, exposed form at AFL level. And he's, he's a kid. He's doing really, really well. His marking is amazing. His work rate is great. The impact he has on games is is... He's, he's playing like a very strong, you know, second, third forward. Yeah, and I think that um, we're not quite sure what's going on there with uh, Jamara Hagen. He's He really hasn't been um, getting as many games as everyone thought. Maybe there's a bit of an attitude thing there. And obviously, Phil Thorpe is a young player in a really a developing or a rebuilding team. But uh, And Phillips, I think, has had a, his injury concerns and hasn't really had a run at it either. So, yeah, no, I think we've, we're winning that one in the 
at the moment. So don't want to obviously put the mocker on, but um, yeah, like um, Jumbo Jet. That's what our, our bevy correspondent Jules calls him, <laughs> and yeah, he. I think we were talking offline, or it was in the chat that uh, his little dip in his kicking action. You find that that makes you feel nervous. It stresses that, me out. It, <laughs> it, stresses it me does out. stress you out. <laughs> See, for me, it's like if he doesn't do the dip, I'm stressed. <laughs> uh, like, man, just kick the know. goal. Because it's, it's, it's like it's in slow motion when he's taking his run in. It's like everything around him is frozen. Like, man, just kick the ball. Please kick the goal. <laughs> so if you are coaching or um, training a junior um, finish hopeful, you, you say just remain upright, no movement, just kick, you know, follow through and you, you don't, I mean, obviously that's a little quirk of his, this little kind of, what do you call it, Steve? It's like, uh, it's mid run up. It's a little, what do you, dip. what do you call that? Uh, it is a dip, isn't it? It's a uh, little, it's a little dip. It's like a, it must be just his thing that he's, he's had, you know, since, you know, he began his, his routine because yeah. it's, it's always there. And yeah, I'll um, let him go. Like if because like, like, you always like when you're teaching any any skill to anyone, you usually teach the the textbook. But then, if if someone develops their own little quirk and it works, I wouldn't stop them. Just let him go. It just makes me nervous. What I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's about me. Why though? Why? I don't know because it just it seems to to happen in a time warp, you know. And I just want the ball to sail through the post, and it seems to add like a half a second of anxiety before the ball sails through. <laughs> <laughs> he's a big moment man all right yeah. um no, like, no good worries, on him. If, if he wants to do that then bless him <laughs> so. no it's awesome yeah. i think he's yeah it's going to just get, get bigger and bigger all right mate who are those other two you had um we'll, we'll probably take these two together i think um warner and McInerney have both been very very solid players last year but McInerney was already starting to take steps towards the second half of last year i think to show that he was on mm-hmm. his way to being elite chad warner had some injury problems last year and so even in the finals he wasn't really probably at his best and he's just come out the start of this year and blasted the competition. Like he's done so well and McInerney has just continued to step up. I mean, the two of them have got me fully confident that, that they're going to be a grade players for a decade, both of them. Yeah. I mean, if um, Damien Barrett is including Chad Warner in his little what if uh, section and mentioned him saying, you know, he'd probably win a Brownlow at some point, um, then clearly he's on the radar um, I, mean, I don't know how Mills isn't, but anyway, it's nice to have some sort of recognition. But yeah, Chad, I mean, obviously there, a lot was spoken about that that moment after the Richmond game, but uh, I just love the way he goes about it. He's just um, he's brimming with energy. He's tenacious. He's ferocious. And I just think, yeah, they, they, they picked a real good one there. And let's hope his younger brother can uh, keep developing the VFL because um, I've heard they're different, different styles and we've seen them. Bit of bit of footage there, different styles of player, but if they've still got, if they've both got that similar approach and that 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 hardness on the ball, then could be a good thing having two Warners on the field, uh, like having two McCartans on the field, mate. But um, yeah, I'm with you with Jazzy, he's a barometer. Um, yeah, obviously he's having a few quiet games, or he's had a few quiet games, uh, but I mean that shows you his, you know, he, he's a role player as well. I think he steps up when when the game's on the line. And um, against I mean, Melbourne, he, he did in that last quarter. Yeah, against Melbourne. Yeah. He had a pretty quiet game and he had like, I don't know, five or six touches, like like good, important touches in that last quarter. Yeah. What was that game where he, he had like all those touches in the fourth quarter and got us over the line? I'm going back through here off the top of my head. Was it Hawthorne or was it? 
I can't remember now, but it was one I, of them. So I don't remember either. <laughs> no, no, he, he and he, he had like um, of his thirty disposals, he had thirteen or something in the fourth quarter alone. But um, anyway, yeah, just yeah, I, I agree. Juzzy's um, he's, he's gone to another level this year. Um, what do you think about our aging brigade, mate? The older ones, um, you know, obviously the the ones that are in the team and also that are injured. Oh, I guess we can start with the the most obvious one is Josh Kennedy. He's done a pretty bad looking hamstring. Um, against Carlton, I think, in the Carlton game. Uh, managed to get himself suspended at the same time as getting himself injured. And he'll be out for a long time. I mean, maybe late Wasn't in the season, pretty. he maybe comes back and he's, he's what, is he 32, 33? He's, he's getting well past 30. I think 30. he's at least that, yeah. Yeah, yeah so he's, he's getting older. And, you know, even if it's an eight to 10 week injury and he's ready to come back and push for selection towards the end of the season, you know, you've got a guy who's missed a whole lot of footy to then bring into a potential finals campaign. It's it's a risk. I mean, I, I really hope he comes back. I do because I like like him a lot as a player. But this might be the end for Kennedy, unfortunately. Maybe he'll know. Mm. I mean, he'll know better than anyone where he's at. But so we're we're not going to deep dive into salaries and everything this episode. Um, it's something. Um, it's all a continual. <laughs> work in progress but you you would imagine that if he didn't extend and um, we're, we're going to talk about that in a moment um that there'd be a bit of cash there so that freezes up there but um that's sort of in the next section we're going to touch on that sort of stuff so um we'll move over mate who uh who else you got there um dane rampy i think he's he's certainly dropped off a little bit in pace but he still is absolutely good enough to be playing every week in in the best 22 um so um, as, a, as a third defender, especially with the emergence of the two McCartans, he's able to play a different role. He doesn't have to man up on these gorillas every week, which has surely got to be helping his longevity in his body. Um, I think he's had a pretty solid year. He's, I mean, he's certainly on the decline, but he's not declined to the point that he's not in the team. Mm. Okay. So that's your position. You think he's, he still certainly holds a, like, um, I mean, he, he has been picked, but because a lot of people have been saying that you know he's lost a bit of pace, um, you know, but even with that, you think he's he, he's a regular, he's a lock. I, I, I mean, for a couple of reasons. I, I first, I think that and he's a very smart player. I mean, he's played undersized for a long time in the back line. He's a very clever footballer. Um, mm. Smart players can lose a bit of pace because they you know they know how to cut corners and, and run run lines in such a way that they don't necessarily have to be a zippy um, to have the same impact and cover the same ground. Um, and his leadership on the field. I mean, it's a young team. It's a really, really young mm. team. And to mm. to have someone with his experience and knowledge in the back half of the ground, just to stabilise people. I mean, you know, giving instructions on the field for sure, but just that stabilising presence that, I mean, I, when I've, I haven't played that much footy in the back line, but when I have, it's always nice to know that you've got like a seasoned defender who's just there because um, they just know how it works. So I would, I would keep him in the team, yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, um, absolutely. Um, I think he's still there. I think he's, you know, he's co-captain, obviously, for the reasons you've said. Um, it's a bit of a no-brainer for me. Um, Reedy had the game of his life <laughs> last round. Um, it shut a lot of Swans fans up. But, um, I mean, he, yeah, look, he's he's obviously playing a role as well. I think they, were, they rolled him around for another year to... In, you know, I think they were pretty open. They said, you know, he provides 
depth at both ends of the ground, but he's been playing primarily forward and chopping the ruck. Um, I, I think he looks in good touch. So long as he kicks straight, he, he's there for me. Yeah, he was, I mean, last week, didn't he just show us what we've been missing out on for the last 10 years? <laughs> so we, could, we could have had this a, 22 rounds a week for 10 years. What a tease. <laughs> Unbelievable. He played a great game. I mean, I've, I mean, I've said many times on this podcast, I'm a big Sam Reid fan, so I'm, hmm. I'm not objective when it comes to Sam Reid. I think he's a great player. And as long as he's fit and running around, I think he brings a lot to the team. What about Lloydie, mate? He's been, a, he's been under a little bit of fire this year. Similarly with Rampy and and Cunningham when he was in, it was about um, you know not enough tackle pressure, a few um, poor kicking efficiency and all that sort of stuff. Have you seen that with Lloyd's game? Um, I've, I'm not really sure with Lloyd. I mean, they've brought a lot of new players into that back six over the last eighteen months or so. I mean, not just the like the pillar of Paddy McCartan down there, but also some of the smaller running ones like um, like Blakey has gone back in there. And um, and we've seen uh, Florent McInerney also playing around there. So maybe there's something to do with the role that he's playing there. Now, I'm, I'm really not sure, but I don't think he's been, you know, he, he's still, he's a, he's a best 22 player, I think, for sure. Even if he's not mm. having the same um, role or impact that maybe he was having in those years where he got shafted for All-Australian selection when he should have been picked in those teams. But um, <laughs> he's still, he's still a very good player, right? He's, um, I think he's had... Um, a couple of really, really good weeks. He may have started slowly while the while the you know the formation was gelling, but yeah, I think we've seen what he can do, and and he's he's been working on his defense as well. He's been getting about four or five tackles a game, so um, I, no complaints there for me. And hey, I just want to add, I, I had a quick um, search while you were chatting away there, and it was the ruse game where Juzzy um, tore it open. If uh, you recall, okay. we're, we're under pressure that game. We came home to win by eleven. And Juzzy had 30, 30 touches and 14 in the last quarter. Um, yeah, and just sort of, just similarly like in that Melbourne game, he sort of could feel the, ten, you know, the tension and, and went about it and, and just said, here, I'll, uh, I'll do this, guys. Leave it to me. Um, next talking point, mate. Um, who do we want to see in the seniors soon? I mean, you- I feel like we've, we've been speaking about this for a couple of years now. You know who we didn't talk about with the older ones, Buddy Franklin. He's fine. He's he's perfect. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, we, no, we forgot no Buddy Franklin. There, yeah. yeah. Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah. cool. Because <laughs> he's playing yeah, roll, like a twenty-two-year-old. That's why we didn't yeah. think about him. In the, in the in oldies. Yeah. Yeah. If he doesn't want to play full forward, maybe he can be a small forward or even a, a ruckman. Who? Yeah. Wherever he wants to play, no worries, mate. He'll still <laughs> kick five a week. <laughs> All right, mate. Who yeah. do you want to see in the senior the seniors? Who's gonna Who's gonna come up? Uh this is a it's a tough question because it's a pretty deep list isn't it i mean it's very hard like if you're talking about it at the moment guys like um like campbell um dylan stevens they're they're solid afl quality footballers who aren't getting picked every week so when you've got them not even getting in the 22 then like that next tier of players down that's trying to fight for a debut potentially is really really tough um, I mean, the one that's always talked about is Gould. He's, he's the one that is constantly coming up. When are we going to see him? I, I think with Gould, honestly, um, if he's good enough, he'll get his chance eventually and he'll be fine. And I don't think we need to stress about it. And if he's, if he's not meant to be a footy player, AFL player, then, then maybe he's not. But if he's good enough, he'll get his chance eventually. I, uh, I put it on the, on the record last potty with uh, Chris that I th- I've got the sneaking suspicion he might debut against Port 
but of course that's that's largely unfounded and, and it was really emotional but um no i think i obviously um colo Reardon uh had the concussion and fox came in last week and and you think that fox holds and we're going to do that we're going to go over this in the preview but yeah look it's like when will gould debut i think this this question has been on the on the minds of Swans fans for a couple of years, really since he we picked him up because it was was touted to be ready. He was ready to go. He was you know, hundred kilo, eighteen year old. He's been playing seniors in in the Sample, and he was ready to go. And obviously, you know, he had the likes of those players we've been speaking about, Reed and Lloyd. Um, slightly sorry, not Reed. Um, Rampy and Lloyd. Obviously, Lloyd's a slightly different role, but yeah. Look, I the thing I will say, and I probably haven't given it enough. Um, coverage in the potty this year in the vfl games that i've watched um i think gould probably couldn't be he's probably doing enough to to come in if if a hole opens up like i think he's like i'm not saying he couldn't be playing better you can you know players can always be playing better but i think he's been playing pretty well certainly um than compared to last year to enough to say you know you know i think he's i think he's probably ready to go the rest, I think, is down to the planets aligning or opposition or the health of other players who are around the mark. So I don't think it's that far away. I think it might be this year and maybe as soon as Port, but I'm pretty uh, optimistic on that one. But we'll have to wait and see. I'm, uh, I'm excited. Mate, um, who do you think is leading the BNF so far? I think Callum Mills is on top. Um, yeah, country mile, country yeah, mile. I think he'd, he'd be ahead. Yeah. He's had a fair season. He's and, and he's finally starting to get, I think, a bit more attention in the football media, like the AFL football yeah. media. There, like people, are, I've, I've seen a couple of these, like mid-year all Australian teams that some of the journalists and stuff put together, and quite a few of them have got Mills, if not um, in the twenty-two, certainly in their, you know, in the conversation blurb that they're right with it. So. Callum Mills for me is ahead of the best and fairest probably, and then and then the other two that have had great years are probably you know Parker and Warner, and then a lot of other guys who are probably getting plenty of votes too. But they'd be the three, I think. Uh, yeah, I'm exactly the same with you. I think I had Mills, Warner, Parker, and you you were Mills, Parker, Warner. So um, yeah, but I think you'd probably have to go Parker there first. I think actually in our, I might be able to disclose this. I had a quick look before. Um, I think it is Mills, Parker, Warner in that order. Okay. Um, currently leading the uh, the ABOB medal. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the second half of the season goes. But on that, how do you think the second half of the season will go? Let's have a quick look at the games ahead. We've got, what, 10 games left, don't we? So we're, yep. we're eight and four, eight wins, four losses from 12. So we've got 10 to play. And we reckon that we're going to need 13 probably for finals. That's usually safe. This year, I mean, there's a lot of teams in that fifth to um to sort of 12th bracket but they're going to start playing each other too so eventually i think that the wins will start to settle um because there'll be a lot of these games where those sides are only one of them's getting points each week because they're playing one another so let's say we need five if we look a bit forward in the fixture um our next two is port away st kilda at home both of those are tough games so i'm not going to bank those wins by any stretch then essendon you would hope that we would beat essendon that's one mm. Then after that, we've got Bulldogs at home and then Fremantle away. Bulldogs at home, you know, that's a very winnable game. Fremantle away is tough. Fremantle are looking really, really good. Whenever I've watched them, they just, they mm. just, I've watched them just blast teams off the park the last couple of weeks at times. When they click, they just, mm. they go like an avalanche. Mm. 
Um, and then we've got a stretch of three games. So we've got we've got one win that we reckon we can definitely get, which is Essendon. That's that's one of the five. And then we play Adelaide Giants North in in consecutive weeks. So that's that's four. And then after that, we finish off with Collingwood St Kilda. So if we can get Essendon, Crows, Giants, and North, then one more out of Port St Kilda, Bulldogs, Fremantle, Collingwood St Kilda again. If we can get one more of them, that should be enough for finals, you would think. Mm. obviously right yeah 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 totally and then obviously the you know that's just to make the eight but then if we want to push higher then we really need to be um yeah at least challenging those 50 50 games but yeah winning those like you said like the bulldogs at home um one of those saints at home um yeah yeah it's going to be tough it's going to be tough it's probably going to be probably 16, going to come right down to it. Uh, top four. I remember. I remember last year we did this towards the end of the year. I think, and because we missed the top four last year with 15 wins, we missed out on percentage, and that didn't get us yeah. in the top four. So you're looking probably 15, 15 wins and a strong percentage or 16 wins is roughly where you need to be for top four a lot of years. So that that means that we need to win what another eight. Right, eight out of ten. From ten, yeah, yeah, that's tough. Yeah, that makes it tough. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's a lot of teams ahead of us that are that are on some good wins. I mean, if you look at the teams that are ahead that are already in the four, mm. um, Melbourne Lions and Fremantle, uh, all three of them are already two wins ahead of us. Fremantle's played one more game than us, but still. Um, and then Carlton is a win ahead of us, so we'd have to catch up quite a bit, and also skip mm. over Cats and Saints. So top four mm. will take a pretty strong run home. Who knows? Maybe Melbourne. Maybe the maybe the bottom's going to fall out of Melbourne with all the uh, the nonsense going on there. Do you reckon, but, do you reckon um, they could miss the finals? Because they're on they're on ten wins now. If they don't win for the rest of the season, they could miss the finals. So if that's the case, then they finish what? Uh, um, like nine ten, foot ten. Yeah, they'd be on. They're on ten, 10. wins. Yeah, maybe even lower. And, I mean, uh, and we and then and then all of a sudden, Jordan Dawson is. Uh, the loss of Jordan Dawson is a bit easier to swallow. Isn't oh it? yeah, the draft pick is. T- yeah, I forgot that the Swans have got Melbourne's first pick. Yeah, don't they? we're tied to Melbourne's first. Yeah, so I'd so, much rather get pick nine and ten than uh, eighteen <laughs> or, or seventeen. I'd forgotten so, about uh, that. I was actually watching the um the Melbourne Swans game with a with a mate of mine here last week, and and he couldn't rationalise my dislike for Melbourne, and I just don't like Melbourne that much, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But now I should have said no, it's because of the draft pick. So there you go. Thanks. Thanks for reminding me. You could have used an actual reason rather than just saying, <laughs> just, I just don't like Melbourne. <laughs> irrational dislike. <laughs> Sorry, Melbourne all right, with all the- I know there are some great people. Titus O'Reilly's a long-suffering Melbourne fan. I have a lot of respect for him. <laughs> He's a legend, yeah. He's I've great. got a work colleague as well who's a, who's a big D, a couple of work colleagues who are D's fans. So, um, And a really good mate, actually, who came to the footy um, for the Tigers game. He lives in Sydney, but... Um, yeah, he came along and we were going to go and watch footy up at his, but he got COVID. So, yeah, look, there's some decent people out there in the, in the Melbourne supporter base, but what's going on with their, their attendances? I mean, this is not a podcast about going, what the hell is going on with Melbourne? But it's pretty shocking, isn't it? Yeah, you'd, you'd hope that the Premiers would be getting more people. Like, I think it's confusing the name, right? Because you've got like eight other teams that are from Melbourne and they're all called after suburbs. And then you've got a mm. team, like, we're just, we're just all in Melbourne. We're the whole city. Yeah. Um, so I'm just confused. Maybe they're confused who they're supporting half the time. They don't know. And that's why they run off to the ski fields. Oh, yep. sorry, guys. 
That's oh, look, if, if I had if I had a bloody chalet at Mount Buller, I'd be there too. I wouldn't be sitting in the MCG on ten degree nights watching my team belt everyone who turns up. Like I don't blame them. I think they have pretty comfortable seats, there, don't they, mate? Yeah, probably padded and heated. They've actually got it said football stadiums in Finland. If you sit in like the fancy seats, because it gets cold here, like minus degrees, often yeah. um, in the in parts of the football season, because they they start in the winter time and they do. I've sat on seats that have actually got like like under your bum. There's like a little hot pad thing, and it's it's quite cozy, like a fancy uh, luxury car. Yeah, yeah, fancy. exactly. Nice so that's, that's probably cool. what they what they've got there in the in the reserve down there, AFL members section. Cheeky buggers. All right, mate. Listen, with all that in mind, what's your prediction? How do you think we'll go? I know it's a lot, it's a big question. We've already said it's going to be tough. What do you what do you what do you, what are you hopeful for? Oh, I'd love to finish top four, but I just think that there's there's teams ahead of us that will win more games. Um, I think really we're probably going to be in a top four fight with Carlton is the is the front runner, and then you know, Geelong Saints. I I don't think we'll make top four. Mm. I'd love it, but I reckon if we can get um, fifth or sixth and get a, a home elimination final would be a good outcome for me. I'd be happy with that. Hmm. I think there's a lot of threat coming from, as you said, like that. Um, obviously, those in the eight, the fifth to eighth, but I think that ninth to twelfth, there's a lot of potential danger there, like in Port, Bulldogs, Collingwood, Richmond. They're all looking like they could easily slip into the eight. So it just depends who's going to slip out. And, and fingers crossed, it's not us, mate. But um, yeah, it's, it's a log jam. There's like between yeah. If you go to mm. Port Adelaide in twelfth, I mean, I think that if we beat Port Adelaide, and we'll do the preview in a bit, but if we beat Port Adelaide, they could almost end their season. It's going to be very hard for them to come back. So they're going to be fired up, I reckon, because they know that yeah. it's going to be on the line. It's going to be tough, mate. All yeah. right, mate. Let's get over to the to the list status chat. Yep. So um, this is just going to we're just kind of a bit of a, a free flowing chat about the state of the list and obviously the most pressing uh, point is the, car- the the players that are contracted to the end of this year. But before we get into them, mate, I'll just um, highlight, you know, the rest of the list and it's probably about, what, 20 to... It's 25 players that are contracted to the end of 23 and beyond. Um, I'm not going to look at those 23, the, 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 that, those players, because they're... Well, I'll highlight three players from that band of, of players and we got all this info from Footy Wire, so thanks, Footy Wire. Um, Cal Mills, Tom McCartan, and Tom Papley. They're these, for my mind, these are the the three players that really need uh, further extensions. Oh, sorry, and Chad Warner, I'd probably throw in there as well. I missed him. Um, as uh, you know, warranting a, a, an extension sooner rather than later. And then if you go ahead and look at twenty. Signing on to the end of 24, 25, 26, and 28, you've got the likes of Goulden, Robottom, McDonald, Blakey, Hayward, Campbell, Parker, Laddams, McInerney, Heaney. So you can kind of see who the club is already sort of shoring up to make sure that we've got these players for the next tilt. Um, and, yeah, I think you can safely add Mills, Warner, uh, McCartan, and Papley. Of course, there's a lot of other players there in that 23 um, bracket, but there's a few... Um, you know, aging stars, um, and there's a few younger role players that you know. It's going to depend how they go this year and and the rest of next year whether they extend or not. But before we get into any of that, um, well, we pro- we're not going to. We're going to focus on the end the the players that are contracted to the end of this year. I'm going to I'm going to read them out, um, and you're going to say yes or no. You can elaborate. You can say you know cut, keep, extend, whatever whatever wording um, you want to go with, Steve-O. But I'll list them out one by one. 
and you give me your thoughts and then I'll, um, I'll say agree, disagree. Yeah, and these are so, all players, um, the ones you're going to list, they're all players that are, um, that are off contract at the end of this year, right? Yes, we're only doing uh, yep. players that are uh, contracted yep. until the end of this year. So, yep. which means there's no guarantee of their um, staying in the club beyond this year, unless something happens for the rest of the year, um, and you know, unless they get extended. So, it really, it's extend or delist is the is the yep. question here. So, all right, um, Barry O'Connor. Yeah, keep him. Yep, I think there's uh, only upside there. Um, ben Ronk. Yep, keep him. Absolutely. He's already played a role this year and we know what he can do. Uh, Kyle Sinclair. Uh, yeah, also, yeah, he's, he's solid. There's quite a few. I'm looking at the list. There's, I reckon we can probably just read out the next seven or eight that we would definitely keep just in a row. Okay. They're, they're all ones that I would just tick off. All right. Oren Cunningham, Hall, Kat, Kahan, Kahan. I'm not sure how you pronounce that yet. Lloyd and Bell. Yeah, all of them, I think, yep. would be worth an extension. The next one sticks out and we've mentioned him already Josh Kennedy yeah you might retire I mean, we've talked about him we probably don't need to go back over hopefully yeah. he's, he's able to get more footy out of his body but we'll see Maybe if he's if he's good do you extend like because I don't think he will be good for the rest of the year no. so do you extend knowing that he's not going to play for the rest of the year yeah probably on a lot less money but um, if, he, if I mean he'll know <laughs> if he's got another 22 matches of football next year that he can give you know 25 matches mm. I think that'll be it. He's the sort of player that's surely got to that point where he has some say in, mm. in when when the time gets called. Um, yeah, I mean, what is he? Two eighty nine games. Um, you know, consummate clubman. Um, yeah, I think he. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Should be able to have a bit of a say in the matter, but yeah, obviously it comes down to dollars and stuff like that. Um, Stretch McAndrew. Yeah, keep him for sure. Yeah, Dave. I mean. He hasn't seen much of him, but he certainly looks like a, a player who could be good in the future of what we saw in that preseason game. I'm very excited by this bloke. Ex-Rugby Union. I just think he's, uh, yeah, he's got that Mike Pike story written all over it. I think you've mentioned previously. All right. Buddy Franklin. Oh, who's that? <laughs> yeah, just give him whatever he wants. Yep. <laughs> so, so, no, but that's a good question. Does he get what he wants or does he have, does it have to be reasonable? Oh, I'm sure. Would you, would you give him another million for a year, or would you go five hundred thousand, like half I, of what you? I don't know what everyone else is on, but I would give him as much as I could afford. But that, well, that's, that's a. But if it like, means losing, um, so that's what it comes down to. If it means losing the likes of Chad Warner, yeah. But Mills, then I would say I can't afford it. I, I would. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. consider. Yeah, like I would give him as much money as you can get within the salary cap without having to compromise any of these other ones that we want to keep. I think he's worth um, what you know a leading uh, full forward is worth, but not you know the. Uh, I don't know. It's a bit. It's a bit hard. Yeah, they'll, it's they'll hard figure to say it out. Dollars he'll, yeah, he'll he'll play on. They'll figure his money out. I think we'll be fine. Yeah. But he's playing another he's, year. Yeah, definitely good to go. All right, um, Lewis Taylor. Probably not. I mean, because you've got to clear a bit of space on the list every year, don't you, for for the draft pick? So you've got to bring in, like, mm. I think minimum – is it still minimum three? They changed some rules over COVID, and I forget what's been changed back and what hasn't. But he'd probably be one that would be unlikely. At yeah. least I'd have him below all – all the other ones we listed previously, the other fringe guys, I'd have him below them. So he'd be yeah. on the, on the yep, probably go list. Yep, same. Uh, he's just showed a lot of potential, and for whatever reason, it um, – 
yeah, he's done well in VFL or racks it up. Not always efficient with his kicking, but whenever he's come up, he hasn't really um, taken his chance, which is a shame, obviously, with someone who had such a, a bright start. But anyway, um, Ollie Florent. Yeah, keep him. He's great. Keep massive, I'm, I'm massive a, two ticks. I'm a right? big fan of Ollie Florent. Oh, Flo. Paddy McCartan. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Give him what he wants to. Yeah, exactly. Give him four or five years he's, right now. He's probably on rookie money, right? He's got to be on a basement contract this year. I think, he, yeah, he'd be on 80 or yeah, 100. Give him something more. Something like that. Give him lots yeah. and lots more. He's definitely worth about uh, five or six. But yeah, um, gun. Robbie Fox. Yeah, he's. I think he's important depth player and yep. some experience. I would keep him unless, I mean, unless they need to trim space somehow, but I, I wouldn't have him at the top of my throwaway list yeah and i think if you ever needed to really do a job like a tag i think he he could probably do it because that guy can run and run and run and he's a smart footy player um ryan clark yeah i sort of think of him in that same like lewis taylor category that Mm -hmm. he just doesn't look like he's ever going to break into the team um and if he's off contract now then it's maybe it's time for him yeah um Ham Crayfish, Sam Naismith. Hmm. He's probably finished, isn't he? I mean, he's, what, nearly 30 years old. His body's not not been good to him, has it, unfortunately? Four ACLs, three ACLs. Yeah. It was, it was un- just just terribly unfortunate. I saw a cool um, interview that he did with this other podcast, this footy podcast called, oh, was it Yeah Boy, Good Boy, Good Boy, Good Footy Energies or something like that. And he was talking about the Queen. Um, you know, because it was a jubilee celebration oh. or whatever. He's such a character. It's such a shame um, that he, he had those injuries because he was just looking primed, wasn't he? But um, yeah, I think I agree with you. There, mate, might have to um, delist there. Sammy Reed and Will Gould to round off. Yep, I would say both of them. Given one-year contracts, pair of them. Yep. Yep. Okay. So of that, off the top of your head, and I can prompt if you need reminding, who are the priority signings for you know beyond a year? Out of that group we just talked about, or yes, yes, yeah. Like, who are you giving two or three years to out of that group, or um, anything more than Ollie, two years? Ollie Front, Paddy McCartan, yep. they'd be the two. Um, yep, they'd be the only two actually, just those two. The rest of them, yeah. Other than even like, Buddy oh no, sorry, Jake, 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 Jake Lloyd's on that list. Sorry, Jake Lloyd yeah. is there. I would definitely give Jake Lloyd another couple as well. Yeah, yeah. Harry Cunningham. Oh, he's there too. Oh, you've yeah, okay. Him too. Yep, him. Hello, Ridden. Yeah, I'm not much of a list manager, am I? I just want to keep everyone. And- <laughs> <laughs> but they're all in the. They're all in the. the yeah, you can't. You can't give more one year contracts, just- can you? <laughs> so, yeah. Well, no, you. I mean, yeah. you can, but it just yeah. it doesn't. It's not a shout of confidence to the player, and then that might no, get in their not. head, and then they start yeah. seeking opportunities elsewhere. So absolutely, um, no. I, I think yeah. I'd give two to Ronk, Oridden, Cunningham, Lloyd. Uh, Bell, um, and then I'd be giving like three or four to to Ollie Florent and Paddy, and then um, yeah, as you said, one for probably the rest. Um, but a respectful one to obviously Kennedy and, and Franklin, and and you know they can sort of write to to an extent like what they want to do. You know, if it's um, you know if there's a, a clause for a second year then or a, co- a coaching role then you know they, they can agree on that but otherwise yeah the rest is um one year at a time and that includes reed um and obviously will gould but yeah. um yeah i was telling, yeah definitely I, I think what you said is much more sensible than what i said yeah <laughs> no it's it's always interesting and 
obviously I, I had a good crack at trying to understand what, what everyone was on uh, last year and I'll have another crack in the second half of the year because there's a little bit of literature out there. It's just about piecing it together and largely, ultimately, it's going to be guesswork, but um, it's good fun, as you say, because a lot of, it's not public knowledge, so a lot of it is guesswork. Um, whereas some of these other global sports, it's all publicised, isn't it? What the players are on. Yeah, I mean, I, I follow, especially the American, like the um, the NHL and the NFL in particular. I follow quite closely, and you know, you, you know what the players are on because it's announced. Yeah. Um, oh, keep bumping into the mic there. Sorry, listeners. Um, yeah, mate. Um, well, I think that brings us to the end of that list chat. So let's uh, let's move on to hot topics and. Um, Let's just see how we go with this one. I, I think the the, mo- the one we really want to talk about, and you and I have been sort of touching on this for God, I don't know, years now, um, but certainly it's been growing in pace with uh, the you know the news of the AFL and and some of these um, hot topics. Um, expansion, AFL expansion. So, will a team go to Tasmania? That's that's where we're at at the moment. Obviously, NT is in the mix as well. Canberra might be in the mix. I had a good um, chat with a. Um, a, a Facebook group called um, AFL Canberra, and they sent me several articles um, s- saying why it was a much better choice than N- NT, not necessarily Tasmania, but NT. Um, and shout out to those guys. They were very polite and very informative with their uh, attachments they sent. But um, what do you think, mate? Should it go to Tassie? Should there be a 19th? And should that lead to a 20th? Um, and how does a 20-team league look? How does it look? I'm I'm actually getting really tired of all of this. This um, what's (laughs) what's the word like? Not too in throwing, like it's like brinkmanship or something. I don't know what to call it, but um, between between the Tasmania government and and the people that are behind this bid for for a footy team there, and then the AFL, and I just don't just put a team there, man. Like, come on. Like, it's like ghosting on Tinder or something, isn't it? It's ridiculous. Oh, just it's like, bloody I'll catch up with papers, you. Oh, like, but I, yeah, just get it done. Like, I don't. Like, and, and okay, I, fine. There's, there's financial considerations, but they're bankrolling half the AFL teams. Like, what difference does it make if Tasmania is not going to be viable to begin with? They've had an NBL team has just gone there. It's been very successful in terms yeah. of, um, of how it's gone on field and also um, how it's, you know, merged, merged into the sporting landscape down there. Why can't an AFL team? be there tasmania's football heartland like i think they yeah. they really and it's quite an emotional argument mine i think but i think they just should have a team yeah and sometimes that's that's really what it should come down to you know it, it, look at there's articles out there it's been published that, that you you could actually say that, that the push into western sydney has categorically failed financially and in terms of like numbers um, you know, percentage of kids playing Aussie rules as opposed to rugby league and soccer, it's failed. What is it, like 11%? And it's like a, a minimal increase, I think actually negligible. It hasn't increased. Plus the whatever millions it is that they pump into to both the Giants and the Suns each year, is it 10 mil a piece? It's something oh, like that. I don't know what the numbers to keep, are. To keep them afloat, right? And so if that's, if that's what they've had to, had to do for the past decade of this push into these, yes, like I will acknowledge they're, they're the growing market. So, you know, financially it makes sense to put a team in a population that's growing. You know, if they say that, you know, Tassie is not growing, so it's not, there's going to be no growth because it's a business at AFL house. Right. And I, it is a business. I shouldn't be flippant. It is a business. You have to make money, but how is, how is Heartland not going to make money? You know, you can't just expect, you can't just throw a product in, in an area like Western Sydney it's not from there and expect it's going to go better just because you've got this natural influx. 
and obviously coronavirus really put a damp, you know, put a halt on the the, the natural numbers of of um, you know people coming into the country or just people moving around in general. But yeah, I just think that this talk, and this is the the last thing that Gil has said, the talk of you know Tas- Tasmania is not going to get a team until they build a new stadium. I just I laughed at that. I texted you, Steve. I said, "Hang on, is the was the Giant Stadium is that brand new?" And same with the Suns because I thought that they were old stadiums. And I think you said that they were right. Um, oh, the one at Carrara, which is which is where Gold Coast play, that was used by the Brisbane Bears the way back in their early days, I guess in the eighties, like in the in the Christopher Scase era. I think like when Warwick Kappa was up there, maybe like I mean I'm not sure if it all lined up in that in that order, but. Yeah, the Brisbane Lions used Carrara. And then from what I understand, I think that this Metricon was completely rebuilt. It was on the same site. Like, I think they just built a brand new stadium on the previously used site. And then the one... Oh, they knocked um, it down. They knocked it down and built a new one? I think so. I think there was a lot of problems. With, okay. I mean, I don't know, it was a long time ago now. I think there was a lot of issues with the Carrara Stadium. And Brisbane didn't like playing there. They had problems with crowds. And then they eventually moved back to Brisbane in the early 90s, I think, maybe. Um, yeah. And and then yeah, and so then that stadium just got built on the site that had been used. But I think it's like it was a brand new stadium as a stadium. Um, and then the Giants one was used what in the in the Olympics, and it was part of the showground and stuff. And then they've more or less built a new stadium there. I'm, I've actually, I've never been to the to the Giants one because it's. I mean, I've been living in Finland for twelve years, and so that yeah. whole period has happened while I've been away. So I've actually never been to a Giants home game out there. So I don't know I've what been the stadium's like. I've been to a couple. It's you know, it's it feels small. The field is small. It's it's nice enough. They've got better a better screen than the the small one at the SCG um, up the Brawongaland. But um, yeah, look, I just I took that to mean that you know there were existence existing infrastructure that were repurposed. Um, so to say you need a new stadium when there's two perfectly functioning functioning AFL level stadiums already in Tasmania. Is as you say, I think. Is it just brinkmanship? Is it just smoke? Is it just like it's never going to happen? You know, and like, what's the reason for that? I just think it's it's bullshit. But maybe there's a problem anyway. with maybe 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 the AFL executives aren't happy because the the corporate areas at these Tasmanian stadiums don't meet the standard of the MCC. I don't know. Maybe that's the issue. <laughs> that could be it. I mean, they at one point Gill's saying it's a North football Hates ground. Is... You go there to watch football. You're there for three exactly. hours. You buy a pie. Exactly. You buy a beer. You yell. You go home. Who cares? You, know? you don't need a roof to. Ca- I mean, there's one stadium that has a roof in this country. Yeah. Right. In, good toilets is important. Plumbing, plumbing is yeah. a very important part. I would say, I, yeah, get a to- get a good a functioning sewage system yeah. and and a, and a bar that pumps out beers nice and quick, and your fans are probably going to be happy, right? Yeah. Um, but we, they we don't need LED 000. screens and flashing bloody advertising boards for it to be a good experience of a football <laughs> game. I'm sorry, it just drives me nuts. Like this is the thing. This actually frustrates me. Oh, I, mean, I may as well get this off my chest now because <laughs> the yeah, AFL is always see. trying to emulate these North American and European sports, and they pick the wrong stuff. Like, and we'll yeah. talk about it a bit in a second. We're going to talk about how finals might work in the AFL potentially in a different structured competition, and um, and they can learn a lot from that. But they want to copy the flashing bloody music at halftime, and every time a goal gets kicked, a different song comes on, and the and the lights flash after it. It's just Come on, that's that's not what they need to be worrying about. Get people there to watch football. Yeah, I mean, look, sometimes you know there might be a call for it, but yeah, I think when we're talking about what we're talking about here, you know, in in as you said, the heartland, heartland, AFL Aussie rules heartland. I haven't met a single person who's gone to Tasmania and said I didn't like that place. 
I mean, I went there for the first time only really recently, a couple of years ago, and fell in love with it. It's just amazing. It's beautiful. The people are lovely. You, you, you can see how important footy is to them. There's footy fields everywhere, right? It's, it's so stupid that there's all this talk. The other thing we haven't really talked about is relocating a, a Melbourne team. The AFL have categ- they've ruled it out. It's not going to happen. You know, I think we were talking off air. There's probably there might be a reason for this. What, what do you think that is, Steve? Oh, I mean, I, I don't want to relocate it to either. Though I think that would be. I think that Tasmania as a heartland area deserves its own team, not just some cast off VFL team. Probably North Melbourne. Let's be honest, they're the most likely. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's a balanced thing because right now they've got an eighteen team league and they've got 10 Victorian teams so it's 10 to 8 but you bring in two more let's say we put one in in Northern Territory however you work it out where they play it doesn't matter but then one in Tasmania all of a sudden you've got an AFL competition that's got 10 teams that are from outside the you know the VFL system Bubble. and and you've yeah. got a balance you've got a 50-50 balance stakeholders are going to start demanding different things from different parts of the country and, and maybe balances of power have to shift within the way the games run. I don't know. This is, this is getting very tinfoil hat ish, isn't it? We should probably, <laughs> probably. <laughs> I love it, mate. We talk I about something it. else. <laughs> all, right, all right. All right, mate. All right. Um, I'm, there's a, I know there's stuff we're missing out on that topic. Um, before we do. For the sake of um, the listeners who don't need to. For the sake of the listeners. No, no, no. Okay. So previously go forever on this. switching Giants to Canberra and maybe Suns to Cairns. Let's do that before we move on to the, the yeah. new structure. What do you think? There's any 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 uh, merits to doing that? Um, I think that we'll start with the Suns. Um, if they have a period of sustained success, because we've seen the Giants have a period of sustained success and still not pick up a strong following, and now they're on the way down. The Suns look like they might be finally on the way up, so I'd be reluctant to mess with that because it, maybe it's finally going to pay some dividends, at least on field. They've got a really yep. good team. Let them let them have you know five or ten years of sustained success and see if that can get some interest in the region. The Giants, on the other hand, have had sustained success. They played in the grand final. They've been very, very good for a long time and still no one goes to watch their games. So I'd send mm. them to Canberra. I just, I'd have like the, like the AFL owns the franchise. I, I don't know how the ownership structures work, but the AFL owns the right to, to move teams around. Don't they? Do they? Could they just move them to Canberra? Um, I, I guess they could. I mean, has it, I mean, since the Swans and the, and, and the Lions, has, it, has that kind of thing happened? Not since then, because yeah, the Swans was a relocation. Mm. The Lions was a merger, technically. It was a very lopsided merger with Fitzroy and Brisbane. Like Fitzroy mm. was pretty much um, subsumed by Brisbane in many ways. But, yes, yeah. Um, yeah, they kept the name. And I think eight players went to um, went to Brisbane back in that deal, like mm. 25 years ago now, nearly 30 years. But, um, yeah, could they just move move the Giants? They already played, what? three or four games in Canberra a year, don't they? And they get good crowds there. Yeah. Like it's, it's popular. Canberra is part of, like, it's it's in AFL land, Canberra. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's very, and, and a lot of the public servants that moved to Canberra for work are all from football states. So they mm. they um, they will go along and watch games. So you're not going to struggle to get people to watch footy in Canberra, I think. I mean, look, if it snows, they'll just put the ski goggles on. It's all good. <laughs> They're maybe, not worried about. Maybe, maybe roofs, that'll get the Melbourne supporters. So if the Melbourne supporters turn up to an away game, they'll they'll come and watch the game. Can you imagine the D's fans go to more Giants games going forward? 
Oh, we've we've been very harsh on Melbourne this podcast, but you well, know what? They're the not? premiers. Why You're not? the tall poppy, and this is the this is the way exactly. things go. This you is know? how it works. Yeah. Well, would you rather us say you were irrelevant, or would you rather us be so intimidated and fearful of you that we need to bag you on our own podcast about a different team? I mean, even Petrarca's bagging the, the, the Melbourne fans on yeah, air, so God, that was what a, are you going to do? A bit of a backhander, wasn't it, for their own player? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I read that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, okay, so let's let's think about how that, that league would look, a 20-team league, okay? And we've spoken about this. We've thrown some ideas around, so I'm just going to read them out, and then we can say, um, yes, that will work. No, that wouldn't. Okay, so 19 rounds, one buy. So the one buy thing is consistent, right? Same as, as current. Obviously, we're increasing to 20 teams, right? Each team plays each other once. So it's on a two-year cycle. So in, in year one, the Swans will play uh, you know, the, the Pies at the MCG. In the second year, the Pies will play the Swans at the, SCG, the STG. Okay, so that's the, that's, the, that's the thinking there. Obviously, adding a, a Tassie team, let's call them Tassie Devils, uh, an NT team, let's call them NT Thunder, um, and then potentially, you know, maybe shifting uh, the Giants to Canberra and maybe the Suns to Cairns. All finals become elimination basis, right? None of this two bites at the cherry, you know, we get to reward you for losing. We get rid of that. Other leagues have it. We just got it. It's a mental shift, right? So then you've got quarterfinals, semifinals, prelims, and grand finals. And the only difference is it's the same sort of thing. You just add... Um, you know, um, 9, 10, 11, 12. So you could kind of call quarterfinal, quarterfinals wild, wild card round. But uh, what do you think of that? And then the other thing is, I would add, a um, few people have mentioned this online, is reduce list sizes to 40. So you immediately have fringe, at least fringe players who are AFL level that could go to these other two clubs. Um, you know, 36 players that, that have 36 players for each team that came from other teams. So wouldn't mean diluting the talent pool, so to speak. But what do you think about some of those points I've, I've just listed out there, Steve? I'll start with the last one. Just to, I think I don't really buy this diluting the talent pool argument that I've heard from quite a few people. Um, I reckon you're always going to have a certain number of elite players. They might get spread a bit more, but in terms of the fringe players, the depth players, there are plenty of people on, on VFL lists, waffle lists, Sanford lists in other state leagues that, would be perfectly capable of coming into the AFL system. I think if there was another 88, um, 88 jobs available, I don't think that's a problem. Um, yeah. It, it's like, it's just the last of my concerns really. Um, I tend to like 44 cause it's 22. I, I just kind of, you know, I, I'm, I'm with, the, I, mean, I know they're a little bit more than that 47 at the moment, but I, I like 44, I think, but um, yeah, I don't think we need to drop them necessarily. Yeah. And in expanded finals. I mean, yeah, if you, if you go to 20, I think it's it's pretty clear that you can't have a final eight because that means you're going to have a lot of boring dead rubber games. And okay, we know that in any season, the only teams who are likely to win the premiership are probably the top, you know, three or four usually. Mm. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't have an expanded final series, which keeps it more interesting for longer. So if you had 20, I mean, there's, there's probably two ways you could do it. You could either do a, a top 10 or even a top 12 and have some sort of wildcard system. Exactly how that would look would need to be figured out at some point, but but yeah, like you said, like every match being elimination, I think makes it really exciting. And the AFLW does it already. So there's already a precedent within the elite AFL competitions. Mm. Um, in, in the women's footy, they they have um, like every final is knockout. You can do that in the AFL. Um, and mm. I think that'd be exciting because it means that instead of all of these pointless games in the last five or six rounds, 
you know, these lower teams actually have something to play for because they're playing for exposure. They're playing for an extra game. They're playing for extra chance to be in prime time in wild cards or in finals. And, mm. and it makes it exciting for me. I, I mean, I don't think that we need to have this double chance thing. All the, all the current system, all we really do, the first, the top eight as it currently works is the first week we knock out two of the weaker teams who weren't contenders anyway, and we readjust the order of the top four teams. And that's, that's the first week. It's kind of pointless, honestly. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I like I like the idea of elimination bases. I, I'd probably say the opposite if the Swans played well all year and then yeah. got knocked out the first round. But look, if, the, if that's the that that's the shift that's required, then obviously it just takes a bit getting used to. But I think it will be fundamentally better for the comp. I actually had a second, um, I guess, type where uh, it went as far down as sixteenth. But then uh, when I had that, so I had like, that was a true wildcard round. It was basically 10th positions, uh, 9th versus 16th playing each other in that wildcard round. But what it means is you you get extra finals. So the AFL's all, they want more TV, right? TV time and and ads and stuff. So they'd be for that. But basically your top four or your top eight or your top, at least, yeah, top eight would have um, two weeks off before they play a game. And I don't know if that's too much. I, I was chatting with my dad. He said that's too much time for a for a, a team to have off before the finals. It goes either way, right? You have a rest and then you lose the game because you had that rest or you have a rest and you, your injured players come back and then you win the game. So I don't know. Do you have a, a thought on that just real quickly? I how reckon... Many, how, many, how many weeks off is uh, appropriate? I mean, that's that's hard to know. I mean... They're, they're elite athletes case and, they, case, and they, get, they get managed, yeah. And, and you've seen this actually in the, in the NFL a few years ago with the, um, the New England Patriots, their incredibly successful um, teams that they had with Bill Belichick, the coach. Um, I, I found out last year, the year before, what they did, because they, they would often have this week off because they would, they would get the, the first rankings. And because they didn't want to lose their routine, they would... Um, they would make sure that they went through the entire routine of playing a match, everything with the timings, with the breaks, with the halftime, with the extended halftime for the Super Bowl game. So it's all about how teams prepare for it. Um, mm. What I would be reluctant to to do with something, with something like that where they've got two weeks off is it means that for two full weeks of the finals, we're not seeing the best teams playing. It's, yeah. we're, just, we're just sort of seeing the also-rans kick around. Um, mm. So it's got to be, there's got to be a balance and probably one week is the extent there. You think? Mm. Yeah, probably. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, we've got our thoughts so far on air. It's out in the ether now. Um, whether or not anyone's listening or anything will come of it. Um, surely the, the licenses, you know, the Tassie and, and, T, and T will happen hopefully before the end of the decade. But uh, it's kind of crazy when you think of it in terms of that. But um, all right, so that's that's us. That's our position. Um, we were going to touch on rules, but we're running a bit late, so we might skip and save that for next time, if you don't mind. Yeah, I'm happy with that. You, you don't want to listen to to 20 minutes of me complaining about rules, <laughs> so let's carry I on. just have to. I just have to march a 50 for all your descent, mate. Yeah, there'll be plenty. It'll be like a 150, I think. <laughs> <laughs> all right, mate. Let's get on to a quick preview. So, can yeah. you kick us off there? Sure, yeah. So we got a buy this week. So there was no no footy at all for Swans fans. We've just been watching the other teams run around, which has actually been kind of nice. I, I quite enjoy these buy rounds because it's easier to keep track mm. of six games rather than nine. Mm. Um, but yeah, so Saturday, 18th of June, playing Port at Adelaide Oval. Um, for I think the fourth time running, we're playing them at Adelaide Oval. It's been a while since we were at the SCG. 2018 was the last time we played them at home. COVID did impact that. Um, 
so it's it's not as skewed as it might sound um because sydney grounds weren't available at some points um and 1 45 p.m sydney time so not not local adelaide times so that's 1 45 in sydney and looking at port we haven't had a good run against port have we? i was mm. looking this up you, i mean you told me you text and said oh, you want to check this and yeah, yeah we've lost the last five <laughs> against port <laughs> yeah we lost by 10 points last year we played them once a year so we haven't doubled up on port for quite some years we lost by 10 then before that, we lost by 26, then by 47, then by 23, then by 28. And the last time mm. we beat them was in 2016, the year we made the grand final. We thrashed them by 67 points. And listen to these names that all played. I was looking up the game just this afternoon, and these names all played for Sydney in that game against Port. Alira Lear, Dan Hanaberry, George Hewitt, Tom Mitchell, Nan Curvis, and Rowan. That's, that's six pretty <laughs> solid footballers that now play for other teams. Yikes! Yeah, yeah. yeah so and as you said, um, as you said, you know, their port port are five wins, seven losses. You said earlier, if they, um, you know, if Port lose, then that could be the end of their season. So they're going to come out firing. So this is going to be yeah. an extremely tough game in that regard. Yeah, I mean, five and eight. That means they need to go. What oh, they can if if they get down to five and eight. So if they lose against, I mean, they're probably not going to make the finals anyway, but. If they lose, they pretty much would only be able to drop one game for the rest of the year if they drop this one. Yeah. Because they need eight. Yeah. They need eight to get in. We need five to get in. They need eight to get in out of 10. So, yeah. The wins have been uh, against the top eight team, the Saints, uh, against the Bulldogs, and then three bottom four teams. So, um, Eagles, North, and, and the Bombers. The losses have they've, they've played some pretty tough teams. They've lost against um, Brisbane, Melbourne, Carlton, Geelong, and Richmond. Um, and then lost to Hawthorne and Adelaide as well. So, yeah, I think they, you know, obviously they were they come second last year, um, and they've they've been up there for the last last couple of years. So, a bad season, you know, in all all respects, and with due respect to them, um, I think they would acknowledge that as well. But um, I think it's going to be tough. It's going to be very tough. And look, let's just have a quick uh, possible ins. Who do you think might um, come in, uh, or you know, any team changes, stuff like that? Oh, I think the one that's a definite is Franklin will be back from his suspension. So probably um, yep. he comes in for, oh, and I don't want to say his name because you're going you're gonna to take the piss out of how I say his name. It's Joel Amati, A. Pa- Joel Amati. A is the guy. Amati Party. Yes, Amati, Amati Party. Yeah, for the Amati. So he probably comes out. And he, I mean, he didn't he didn't feature too heavily in the last game against Melbourne, but we, maybe he was playing a, a more like of a, like a structural role, who knows what was going structural, on. Yeah. For but, sure. um, but he had some Franklin really key, comes in. key moments. Yeah. Yeah. There was that one where he, um he brought the ball to ground in the forward line and Papley got a, got a crumb and then hand passed it out to someone who kicked a really important goal. And that was because of the mm. really good Amadi contest. He didn't get beaten. I don't remember seeing him get beaten. Amadi. Mm. Um, but unfortunately he'll be the one out for Franklin. I would think. Yeah. And if Hickey's um, fit, does is that a clean switch there? I don't know. We, you, you gave your opinion there on um, you'd you'd rather one key ruck. Yeah, I don't, but, uh, I don't know. I don't know who comes in. Maybe Hickey. I mean, it depends if he's fit, doesn't it? If he's fit, then mm. uh, I, I really don't know who they, if they're only going to pick one. Maybe um, maybe they both play, and something else gets moved around. But you're not going to drop Sam Reed after he played the game of his life, are you? So no. Um, no. Yeah. Oh, McDonald has been playing really well. So probably only one ruck. I don't know. I'm going to say Hickey just because he's got the, the score on the board. Fair play, mate. Obviously, um, O'Reardon will be right. We've touch and go. Um, but 
if Cunningham's fit, he could come back in. Um, Fox probably holds, but as we've mentioned, there's Campbell and and Stevens in the wings. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and maybe Gould. Maybe you heard it here from Noddy first, um, potentially. But um, it's going to be interesting and obviously extremely difficult. Um, but I think that's it. Are you gutsy enough to to call a to make, call a tip here, mate? I'm going to pick the Swans to win because I. Last time we talked a few weeks ago, I said that Richmond was going to beat us, and I, I feel ashamed of myself for having no faith. So I'm saying Swan. <laughs> All right, I uh, I can't fault your logic, mate. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tip the Swans too, mate, because um, yeah, look, those last two wins have got me really excited. So let's let's see if we can break this five year lo- lo- losing streak, and uh, and and really uh, put them to the stone uh, to sword to the stone there. So. Put them to the sword is the thing I'm thinking of. It's getting late here. It's it's 20 to midnight. <laughs> All right. Um, Steve, one last thing, mate. Have you got a, any any memory or, or something to do with Port there? Yeah. my One of my favourite football memories, full stop, actually, is a, I was excited that we we're going to do the preview for Port this week because I finally get to talk about this. Um, it was 2003. If anyone remembers the qualifying finals, that's what, 19 years ago now. Um, Port finished on top of the ladder. They had a massive season. They were three games clear, I think, on top of the ladder. They went into a home um, qualifying final, first week of the final against the Swans, who finished fourth that year. It was at Football Park, the old football park out there. Um, mega favourites, and we blitzed them in the first half. We're up by 40 points at half time, and then they came at us, and we, we hung on to win by a couple of goals. And I was at the game. I went over. It's the one and only time I've been to Adelaide. I went over. A friend of mine was living at the time, and we went to the game, and I was just you know, holding my breath the entire time because I had a swan scarf on and I was a bit concerned about safely exiting football <laughs> park after the game. There was there was some quite unpleasant things said to me and I was just, you know, trying to hold in my excitement the entire time. <laughs> was one of the, uh, once we got in the car, then I sort of let it all out. I go, yeah, come on, swannies, and hope that none of the Port fans in the car park heard me and they're going to, you know, do whatever it is they do to lone swans fans in that part of South Australia. <laughs> Oh, I've heard they're pretty hostile there, and uh, it was terrible. Like, it, was, yeah. it was rough. Man. It was really rough. Um, and then we went on that year to um, we lost the prelim final to, to Brisbane out at Homebush in front of what seventy odd thousand, which I think is still either the biggest or one of the biggest AFL crowds ever in New South Wales. It was that, and then there was a Collingwood home and away season game that also got about seventy yeah. k around that period. Um, mm. Yeah, and then Brisbane, Brisbane won the premiership that year, knocked us out in the prelim. But yeah, that's my. Mm. Absolute favourite Port Adelaide memory. Good stuff, mate. Well, uh, let's bring some of those good vibes back and uh, hopefully the Swannies can uh, march on to victory, mate. All right, that's awesome. That brings us to the end of this episode. A little long. Um, thank you for your patience. Thank you for listening in. Um, we really appreciate you guys doing that and uh, keeping out an eye out for various content throughout the week on our socials. Make sure to keep following us on Instagram and Facebook at a bevy of bloods for other updates, videos, and announcements. Until then, up the bloods and can't use one ease.